Welcome back. We're in Revelation chapter 19, verse 13. Let's go. Verse 13, he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself self-treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So back to 13. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. So this is Jesus. Remember the Antichrist and Satan. Well, Satan tries to fool people and he tries to counterfeit God. And earlier in 6-2, I think it was, uh, we saw uh, the Antichrist, yeah, Revelation 6-2, the Antichrist riding on a white horse that was a counterfeit. Uh, here we see the real deal. This is God. This is God. This is Jesus. And he is clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And remember that when you accept Christ, you are clothed with the clothes, with the robe of God, of Jesus. He essentially wrap, takes off his kingly robe because he is the king and he wraps it around you, right? So you're clothed in his righteousness. Think about that. Think about a king giving their robe, you know, just in this world to their son, for example. And it's kind of saying, now you're mine. Now we're, we're in this together. You're royalty. You've accepted this. And when you accept Jesus Christ, you repent of your sins. He clothes you with that robe, and that's why he considers you to be righteous. He declares you to be righteous because Jesus paid your debt. So if you think about being in debt, and let's say you're $1,000 in debt, $100,000 in debt. Well, think about being, being, well, let me go to that in a minute. Let's say you're $10,000 in debt, and someone comes along and pays your debt, just pays it off, writes a check to the bank, a cashier's check for ten grand, and now your slate is clean. Well, that's what Jesus did to the infinite degree. We had trillions and trillions and trillions and quadrillions, I don't even know bigger numbers than that, in debt personally, individually. And God took payment and redeemed us, and he paid that ransom. He paid that debt. The slate is wiped completely clean. Think about that. It's not like you have to earn it. You don't have to go out and do anything for it to work, right? You earn wages when you work for things. You go to work and you work and get paid hourly or salary or whatever it is. But you do something and they do something in return. And it's that tit for tat. But that's not what's going on here. Jesus did this out of kindness and compassion and grace and mercy. He said, you don't have to earn this. If you had to earn it, then it would be a deed. It would be you having to do something. All you have to do is accept this free gift. Do you accept this free gift? And that's what I invite and, and, I, and I question you right now. Have you accepted the free gift that God has offered? If you haven't, now's the time. If you have, then let's grow together in Christ as we understand his word and his character better. May we be better conformed to it day by day because every day is going to present its own Troubles and challenges. So it says he was clothed with a robe. So Jesus is wearing this robe dipped in blood. He's not embarrassed by his sacrifice on the cross. He reminds us that our sins were put to death, put away once and for all. How do you see Jesus? Do you see him as a precious baby? 
Do you see him as someone who is beaten for you? As a suffering servant? Do you see him as a conquering king? Or do you see him as all of the above? He reminds us with this bloody robe that he is both a suffering servant and a conquering king. So this could either be, the you could look at it in two ways really. One is the blood that was shed on the cross. Right? And his blood, his crimson blood, and blood stains, right? If you've ever gotten blood on clothing, it stains. But it's different when it comes to Jesus' blood. It actually makes us white as snow. Very different. Very different type of blood. <laughs> and the second thing is this could be referring to the bloodshed when he returned from defeating the enemy at Bozer Petra. So we'll go look at Isaiah 63, uh, 3 which says, I have trodden the winepress alone, and from the peoples no one was with me, for I have trodden them in my anger and trampled them in my fury. Their blood is sprinkled upon my garments. Take note of that. We'll say it again. Their blood is sprinkled upon my garments, and I have stained all my robes. Again, and I have stained all my robes. For the day of vengeance is in my heart, and the year of my redeemed has come. I looked, but there was no one to help, and I wondered, that there was no one to uphold. Therefore, my own arm brought salvation for me, and my own fury had sustained me. I have trodden down the peoples in my anger, made them drunk in my fury, and brought down their strength to the earth. So, the the hard part about Revelation might be that we're kind of, how to even talk about it and think about it, because we're thinking in future terms, but it's so certain, we know it's going to happen, God's told us we've got to go back in time to the Old Testament to look at prophecy. And now we're going through the revelation, or, you know, talking about the future revelation, which John wrote in the past, but sees in, the, in, the, it, in his time in the present of a future event. So it's kind of combining the, the past, present, and future all at once. So, um, so what I mean by saying that this blood could be referring to the bloodshed when he returned from defeating the enemy at Bozer Petra is that the second coming, Jesus will come back, you won't miss him. Everything will go dark, and he will be the only light that anybody can see. Everybody in the world will be able to see it, and there will be no question as to who he is. He's going to come back at Bozer Petra. He's going to uh, free and um, lead out the believing Jews who are, had been living safely inside of uh, Bozer Petra. And he's going to lead them over to Jerusalem. So the blood that comes from that, because the enemy, uh, Satan, had the Antichrist take armies to surround Petra, and Jesus just wipes them out. And then the believing Jews there go with him to Jerusalem, to the unbelieving Jews in Jerusalem, and two-thirds of the Jews in Jerusalem are killed by the Antichrist armies, but a third of them are saved, and on the third day of that, they all collectively, individually, universally, at the same time, place their saving faith and uh, Jesus and trust him as their savior. So that's kind of what's in mind here. And it says, He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Remember in, in John we learn, uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Remember Jesus speaks things into existence. All things were created by him and, and through him and for him. And... Jesus is the Word of God. He is the, the Word of God uh, in flesh. 
And then in 14 it says, And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen. So this is us. It says the armies in heaven. Who are the armies? This is us, believers, angels. And it says clothed in fine linen. Remember that's representative of uh, purity and um, the the clothes that he's going to he put us in, white and clean. His robe. Now, check this out. In verse thirteen, it said, "His robe." Let me pull that verse. His robe was dipped in blood. But now look at ours. We're clothed in fine linen, white and clean. You want to talk about an unbelievable leader, right? You can, you can read books about leaders in the U.S. and world history and stuff, but check this guy out. He's wearing a bloody robe, and we've got fine linen, white and clean. The leader has blood all over his stuff. Do you want to follow someone who's afraid to get their hands dirty, who's you know just wants everything to be handed to him, or do you want to follow someone? Who paves the paves the path, right? Blazes the trail, and you just look at him and you say, "Wow, that's Jesus, right?" He's saying, "Look at me. I've got holes in my hands from the pain that I suffer. I've got a hole in my side where the sword, the the spear went in. I've got a bloody robe on, but I want you to have this white clean linen." That's what he's doing with us. Now that is humility. And that is what we should crave for in this world. Too many of us, myself included, oh, this is one of my, my hard things, is that pride, right? It's the original sin and we still have it today. We have so much pride. We want to feel great about ourselves and have all this self-esteem like the world and psychologists tell us to do. But God tells us to esteem ourselves not. He tells us not to covet, yet we covet, most of us, I'm going to say myself for sure, we covet things worldly things, shiny objects, and we want more. But he doesn't want us to want for more. He wants us to want for just more of him. He wants us to be more conformed to his character, which is one that doesn't go after shiny objects, but eternal treasures. One that doesn't go after living for ambition and promotion and salary and early retirement and who has the bigger bank account and all this, because that brings sadness, it brings destruction, it brings depression, it's not how he built this, yet most of us, myself included, struggle with this. So he wants us to know that he paid the price, and he wants us to follow him. And he does this with humility by wearing his bloody robe, yet he gives us uh, fine, clean, white linens. And, and absent his blood being shed as the propitiation of our sin, we would never be able to be clothed in the white linens and the righteousness of God. So think about that. He had to get bloody so that we could get clean linens. And it said, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. We will follow him, right? We're coming down from heaven with him. He wants us to join him on this. We're not going to have to fight because he's going to do all the fighting. We're just going to witness it. Now, here's the question for us today. And for you, I'm going to ask this individually. Are you following Jesus? If you say yes, what does that look like? On a daily basis, what does that look like? Reading the Bible? Prayer? Being kind? Asking forgiveness? Telling people about Jesus, even if it threatens a relationship or a promotion 
or social status, what does it look like? I want to get better and better day by day, but I'm going to take steps back. I'm going to do stupid things. I'm going to fall prey to temptation. I'm going to get angry at times. I'm going to raise my voice at times. I'm going to say things I don't want to say or I wish I hadn't said. Um, I'm going to covet things that I wish I didn't covet because I want to focus on his treasures. But this is the question that we individually need to think about, not to earn our salvation. You can't earn salvation. You just have to accept the free gift. But once you're saved, you're born again. What does that look like? Do you have a heart to want to follow Jesus? Because we can have a huge impact on those around us um, in their coming to faith. So may we focus on that. And verse 15 says, Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. The sharp sword is a symbol of God's word. Uh, This is in keeping with the fact that Christ will consume the enemy with the spirit of his mouth. 2 Thessalonians 2.8 says, And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Isaiah 11.4 says, But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. The only thing that can divide between the soul and the spirit is the Word of God. Psychologists, you know, we, we're told that the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing between soul, uh, between bone and marrow. Psychologists study the soul, but they can't know the spirit because they're not using the Word of God. The Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. We are triune, tripartite beings comprising of a trinity, right? We've got body, soul, and spirit, just like the trinity of God. Why? Because we are made in his image. If he is a tripartite being, you've got Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and he made us in his image, then it's easy to see that we too are tripartite beings, but we are body, soul, and spirit. And we are made in his image because we can love and we can choose and we must choose jesus we see our body we knew know our we so we understand that part we know our we have a soul um or at least most of us believe that we have a soul because once you pass away let's say you have a heart attack or something your body's still there but you're not breathing you're not talking you're not thinking so something changed and that's that soul that soul departing our soul is immortal and our spirit is in us, but it's only available to learn the things of man. Call it science and such, and not the things of God. Why? Because unfilled, sinless Adam had a perfect spirit that became corrupted at the point of sin. And he can no longer commune with God nor understand the things of God. This only becomes possible when we repent and allow the Holy Spirit to indwell us. At which point our spirit is renewed regenerated, and our tripartite being is calibrated again in his three-part image. A window that was closed because of sin becomes permanently opened. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the Word of God allows us to understand the differences between soul and spirit. Uh, Hebrews 4.12, I'll read it, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. 
and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of thoughts of the tents of the heart. Uh, so unbelievers cannot understand the Spirit because it's of God, and they cannot know the things of God until their spirit is restored. I once was blind, but now I see. I was once was lost, but now I'm found, right? This is the story. So Adam and Eve were made immortal. They sinned. Death was the result of that sin. They uh, Not only would they die physically, but the spirit inside of them was no longer the spirit of God. The, and here we are today, we have the ability to have the Holy Spirit come into our lives, literally indwell us, just by accepting the free gift that God offers, and repent, and trust in Him, declare that He's God. We are born again at that moment. We are born of the Spirit. Obviously, we're not born again physically at that moment because we're in a, still in the same body. We still have a soul because we're still breathing, talking, moving around but we have a new spirit and that's the spirit of God because it gets recalibrated, renewed, and you're that tripartite being again. Now, when you believe in Jesus, that's called justification. Justify, you are justified. Justified, never sinned. It's an easy way to remember it. Then you have the sanctification process. Sanctification the rest of your life, is, which is basically what I say being conformed more uh, to the character of God. You're beginning to look more and more like Jesus in your actions and attitude. And then you've got the... Um, and then, But only in heaven, you know, we'll still be sinners on the earth, even through that, the justification and sanctification. Only in heaven will we no longer sin. So, um, yeah, so we'll, we still have to live with the consequences of our sin in this world, and we'll still continue to sin, but we won't want to because we'll be convicted, we'll want to repent, and that's that restored uh, spirit that we have inside of it, inside of us. Because when we accept Jesus, He indwells us with the Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for your deep truths. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for forgiving us. When we ask that forgiveness, just that one time, when we came to you, or for those who are listening and haven't come to you, to understand that when someone invites you into your life, Lord, they're reborn. Your Spirit indwells them. They're changed, and they're forgiven, past, present, and future. They're declared righteous. We'll continue to sin, Lord, but you look past that. You don't see it because you see your son, Jesus. Help us to understand these deep truths and to want to look more like you today. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to Daily Verse by Verse. We want you to be prepared in season and out of season to study the whole counsel of God so that you can share with people who Jesus is through your actions so that you have the right to tell them who Jesus is, so that they can come to know Jesus or come to know Jesus better. We strongly encourage you to share this message, this podcast on your social media, Facebook, Instagram, message, email someone who you think could benefit from it. It's an easy way for you to go out and witness to the world just by sharing this podcast. We hope you'll join us tomorrow. Have a wonderful day.